that she was not to call her grandmama. Remember that? Oh, your, your most gracious madame or something. Gracious madam. Alright, chapter 10. Grandmama's visit. Next day, everyone was very busy preparing for the expected guest. It was easy to see that she was an important person in that household and was accustomed to being treated as such. Jeanette put on a nice new cap in her honor. Sebastian collected all the footstools he could find and put them in convenient places so that she would find one ready whenever she sat down. Miss Rottenmeyer fussed about the place, inspecting everything as though determined to show her authority and that she did not mean to be deprived of any of it by the new arrival. As the Sebastian, or as the carriage came rolling up to the front door, Sebastian and Jeanette ran downstairs. Miss Rottenmeyer followed in a more dignified fashion to receive the guest. Heidi had been told to stay in her room until she was sent for, so that Clara and her grandmother could have a little while alone. So Heidi sat there, quietly saying over to herself the words with which she had been told to address the old lady. They sounded so strange to her that she rearranged them, thinking Miss Rottenmeyer must surely have made a mistake, and that Madame must come first. Before long, Tinette stuck her head round the door and said sharply, You're to go into the study. Heidi did as she was told, and as she came into the room, Mrs. Seisman said in a friendly voice, Come over here, my dear, and let me have a good look at you. Heidi went to her and said clearly and carefully, Good evening, Madam Gracious. What was that? laughed the old lady. Is that how you address people up in the mountains? No, no one's called that at home, said Heidi gravely. Nor here either. In the nursery, I've always just grandmama, and that's what you shall call me too. You'll remember that all right, won't you? Yes, I've used that name. Good, said grandmama, with an understanding nod, patting her cheek. Then she looked closely at her and nodded again, liking what she saw. For the child's eyes were grave and steady as they looked back. Heidi saw such a kind expression on the old lady's face that she loved her at once. Indeed, everything about Grandmama was delightful to Heidi. She had pretty white hair, wore a dainty lace cap with two broad ribbons which fluttered behind, as though there were always a gentle breeze blowing round her. Heidi thought that especially attractive. And what's your name? Grandmama asked. My real name's Heidi, but now it's supposed to be Adelheid. So I answer if I'm called that. At that moment, Miss Rottenmeyer came into the room, and Heidi stopped in confusion, remembering that she was still so unaccustomed to her full name that she frequently did not answer when that lady called her by it. <coughs> I'm sure you'll agree, Mrs. Seisman, said the disagreeable woman, that it is better to call her by a name that can be used without embarrassment, especially to the servants. My good Rottenmeyer, replied Mrs. Seisman, if she's always been called Heidi, and is used to that name, I shall certainly call her that. Miss Rottenmeyer did not at all like being addressed by her surname alone, but she always had to put up with it from the old lady who was set in her ways. When she had made up her mind to a thing, there was no changing it. 
Besides, Mrs. Seisman was still very active and missed nothing that went on in the house. The next afternoon, Clara went to rest as usual, and her grandmother sat beside her in an armchair to have a little nap, too. After it, she felt quite refreshed and went along to the dining room to find the housekeeper, but the room was empty. Perhaps she's having a little sleep, too, she thought, and went on to Miss Rottenmeyer's bedroom and knocked sharply on the door. It was opened after a moment by that lady, who looked rather taken aback at the sight of her visitor. I just want to know where Heidi is and what she does with herself in the afternoons, said Mrs. Seisman. She sits in her room, replied Miss Rottenmeyer. She might be doing something useful if she had the least inclination that way, but instead she makes the most ridiculous plans and even tries to carry them out, things I could really hardly mention in polite society. Depend upon it. I should do exactly the same if I were left alone like that, and probably you wouldn't care to mention my ideas in polite society either. Go and bring her to my room. I want to give her some books I brought with me. Books! exclaimed Miss Rottenmeyer, clasping her hands together. Books are no use to her. In all the time she has been here, she is, hasn't even learned her alphabet. It seems quite impossible to teach her, as Mr. Usher will tell you. If he hadn't the patience of a saint, he would have given her up long ago. That's strange. The child doesn't look stupid. Go and fetch her anyway. She can at least look at the pictures. Miss Rottenmeyer wanted to say something more, but Mrs. Seisman turned and quickly left her room. She was very surprised to hear that Heidi was so slow to learn and made up her mind to find out why. She had no intention of asking Mr. Usher, however. She knew he was quite a good man, and she always made a point of greeting him very politely when they happened to meet. But she took good care not to land herself in conversation with him, as she found his pompous way of expressing himself quite unbearable. Heidi soon came to her and was delighted to have the beautiful, big, picture books to look at. <clears throat> then all of a sudden she gave a little cry and burst into tears. Mrs. Seisman glanced at the picture which had upset her and saw that it was of a green meadow where many animals grazed, watched over by a shepherd leaning on a long staff. The sun was setting and the meadow was bathed in golden light. She patted Heidi's hand and said in a very kind voice, Come, child, don't cry. I suppose it reminded you of something. But there's a nice story to it, which I'll tell you this evening. There are lots of other stories in the book to read. Now dry your eyes, for I want to talk to you. Sit here, I can see you cry. It was some time before Heidi could stop crying, and Mrs. Seisman let her alone while she composed herself. As she grew calmer, the old lady said, That's right, now we can have a nice little talk. First, tell me, child. How are you getting on with your lessons? What have you learned? Nothing, said Heidi with a sigh, but I knew I should not be able to. Oh, what do you mean by that? What is it you don't think you can learn? To read, it's too difficult. What makes you say that? Peter said so, and he ought to know because he's tried and tried, but he just can't learn. He must be a very odd boy then. But you mustn't simply take his word for it. You must try hard yourself. I don't think you have paid proper attention to Mr. Usher's lessons. It's no use, said Heidi in a hopeless tone. Now listen to me, Heidi. You've never learnt to read because you believe what Peter told you. Now you must believe what I say. 
that in a little while you will be able to read quite well, as most children do, being on the whole like you and not like Peter. And as soon as you can read, you shall have the book with the picture of the shepherd in the meadow for your very own, and then you'll be able to read the story for yourself and find out what happens to him and his animals. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Heidi had been listening eagerly, with shining eyes. Then she sighed and exclaimed, I wish I could read now. It won't take you long, I'm sure, Grandmama told her. Now we must go and see Clara. Let's take the books with us. And hand in hand they went into the study. A change had come over Heidi since the day she had tried to go home, and Miss Rottenmeier had given her such a scolding. She now understood that in spite of what Daddy had told her, she could not go away when she wanted to, and that she would have to stay in Frankfurt for a long time, perhaps forever. She believed that Mr. Seisman would think her very ungrateful if she said she wanted to go away, and probably Grandmama and Clara would think the same if they knew. So she dared not tell anyone how she felt, but went about mournfully with a heavy heart. She had begun to lose her appetite and grew quite pale. When she was alone in her quiet room at night, she often lay awake for hours thinking of home and the mountains. And when she fell asleep at last, it was to dream of them so vividly that she woke in the morning, expecting to run joyfully down the ladder from the lawn, and found herself after all still in the big bed at Frankfurt, so far away. The disappointment of that awakening often made her cry miserably, burying her face in her pillows so that no one should hear. Grandmama saw her unhappiness, but said nothing for a few days, waiting to see if it would pass. When there was no improvement, and she noticed traces of tears on his little face on several mornings, she took Heidi into her room and asked very kindly what the matter was and why she was so sad. Heidi was afraid of vexing her if she told the truth and answered, I can't tell you. Can't? Could you tell Clara then? Oh no, I can't tell anyone, said Heidi, so sadly that the old lady's heart ached for her. Listen to me, she said. If we are in trouble and can't tell any ordinary person, why, there is always God whom we can tell, and if we ask him to help us, he always will. Do you understand? You do pray to God every night, don't you, to thank him for all the good things and to ask him to protect you from harm? No, I don't, was the reply. Never. Haven't you been taught to pray, Heidi? Don't you know how? I used to pray with my own grandmother, but that's a long, long time ago. I've almost forgotten about it. Ah, and when you are sad and have no one to turn to for help, can't you see what a comfort it is to tell God all about it? knowing that he will help. Believe me, he always finds some way of making us happy again. Heidi's eyes brightened. May I tell him everything? Really, everything, she asked. Yes, everything. Heidi slipped her hand out of the old lady's. May I go now, she asked. Of course, child. She ran to her own room, sat down on her stool, folded her hands, and then she poured out all her troubles to God and begged him to help her to get home to her grandfather. One morning, about a week later, Mr. Usher asked if he might speak to Mrs. Seisman on an important matter. He was invited to her room, where she received him in her usual friendly way. Come in and sit down, Mr. Usher, she said. I am pleased to see you. 
What is it you want to speak to me about? No complaints, I hope. On the contrary, madam, he replied. Something has come to pass which I had long given up hoping for. Indeed, I think no one who knew the facts would have expected it. Yet there it is. The impossible has happened. Are you going to tell me that little Heidi has learned to read at last? Asked Mrs. Seisman. The young man opened his eyes very wide. Why the juices suggest such a possibility, madam, is almost as surprising as the fact itself. Up till now, in spite of all my efforts, she seemed quite unable to learn even the letters, and I had reluctantly come to the conclusion that she would have to be left to try to learn them in her own way without any further help from me. Now she has mastered them almost overnight, as it were, and can read, and more correctly than most beginners. It's really remarkable. There are many strange things in this life, agreed Mrs. Seisman, well pleased. Perhaps this time there was a new desire to learn. In any case, let us be thankful the child has got thus far, and let us hope she will continue making progress. Then she went with the tutor to the door, and as he went downstairs, hurried to the study to find out for herself about this good news. She found Heidi reading aloud to Clara, and quite excited at the new world which had been opened to her, as the black letters on the page came alive and turned into stories about all kinds of people and things. That evening at supper, Heidi found the big picture book beside her place. She looked brightly at Grandmama, who nodded and said, Yes, it's yours now. Forever and ever, even when I go home? asked Heidi, flushing with pleasure. Yes, of course, and tomorrow we'll start to read it. But you won't be going home, Heidi, not for ages, put in Clara. Grandmama will be leaving soon, and then I shall need you more than ever. Before going to sleep that night, Heidi had a good look at her lovely book, and thereafter reading was her greatest delight. Sometimes in the evening, Grandmama would say, Now Heidi shall read to us, and that made her very proud. She seemed to understand the stories better when she read them aloud, and Grandmama was always ready with any explanation that was necessary. Her favorite story, which she constantly reread, was about the shepherd whose picture had brought tears to her eyes when she first saw it. Now she knew it showed him happily tending his father's sheep and goats, sunny meadows, like those on the mountain. In the next picture, he had left his good home and was minding a stranger's pigs in foreign lands. Here the sun was not shining, and the countryside was gray and misty. The young man looked pale and thin in that picture, for he had nothing but scraps to eat. The last one showed his old father running out, with outstretched arms to greet him as he returned home, sorrowful and in rags. With so many nice stories to read and pictures to look at, the days of Grandmama's visit passed happily, but all too quickly. Chapter 11 Homesickness Every afternoon during Mrs. Seisman's visit, while Clara was resting and Miss Rottenmeyer had taken herself off mysteriously, presumably to rest also, the old lady sat with her granddaughter for a few minutes and then called Heidi to her room, where she had, where she talked to her and amused her in a variety of ways. She had some pretty little dolls with her and showed Heidi how to make clothes for them. And in this pleasant fashion, the child learned to sew, almost without realizing it. Mrs. Seisman had a wonderful piece bag with materials of all kinds and colors. 
And from these, <laughs> Timo, what are you doing? Leave me alone. And from these, Heidi made dresses, coats, and aprons for the dolls. Sometimes Mrs. Seisman let her read aloud from her book, which of course pleased her very much. And the more often she read the stories, the more she liked them. She lived with the characters and got to know them all so well, she was always glad to meet them again. But in spite of these pleasant distractions, she did not look really happy, and her eyes had quite lost their sparkle. One afternoon during the last week of Grandmama's stay, Heidi came to her room as usual with the big book, and the old lady drew her to her side, laid the book down, and said, My dear, tell me why you're not happy. Is it still the same trouble? Heidi nodded. Did you tell God about it? Yes. And do you pray to him every day to make you happy again? No, not anymore. I'm sorry to hear that. Why have you stopped? It's no use, Heidi told her. God didn't hear me. And I dare say that if all the people in Frankfurt pray for things at the same time, he can't notice everybody. And I'm sure he didn't hear me. Why are you so sure? I prayed the same prayer every day for a long time, and nothing happened. It isn't quite like that, Heidi. God is a loving father to us all and knows what is good for us. If we ask for something it isn't right for us to have, he won't give it to us, but in his own good time. If we go on praying and trust in him, he'll find us something better. You can be sure it's not that he didn't hear your prayer, for he can listen to everybody at once. That's part of the wonder of it. You must have asked for something that he thought you ought not to have at present, and probably said to himself, Heidi's prayer shall be answered, but only at the right moment, so that she will really be happy. If I answer it now, perhaps later on she'll wish that she hadn't asked for it, because things may not turn out as she expects. He has been watching over you all this time. Never doubt that, but you have stopped praying, and that showed that you did not really believe in him. If you go on like that, God will let you go your own way. Then if things go wrong and you complain that there's no one to help you, you will really have only yourself to, yourself to blame because you will have turned your back on the one person who could really help you. Do you want that to happen, Heidi? Or will you go now at once and ask God to forgive you and help you to find more faith, to help you go on praying every day and to trust him to make things come right for you in the end? Heidi had listened very carefully to all of this. She had great confidence in Grandmama and wanted to remember everything she said. And at the end, she cried penitently, I will go at once and ask God to forgive me and I'll never forget him again. That's a good girl. Heidi went to her own room then, much encouraged, and begged God not to forget her, but to give her his blessing. The day of Grandmama's departure was a sad one for Clara and Heidi but she managed to keep them happy right up to the moment when she drove off in the carriage. It was only when the sounds of the wheels died away and the house was so quiet and empty that the children felt quite forlorn and did not know what to do with themselves. And sad. Next evening, Heidi came into the study carrying her book and said to Clara, I'll read to you a lot now, if you'd like me to. Clara thanked her and Heidi began the little task she had taken on herself with enthusiasm. 
But all did not go smoothly, for the story she had chosen proved to be about a dying grandmother. It was too much for Heidi, who burst into tears and sobbed, Granny is dead. Everything she read was so real to her that she was firmly convinced that it was Peter's granny in that story. Now I shall never see her again, she wept, and she never had one of the nice white rolls. Clara had great difficulty in persuading her that the story was about quite another grandmother, and even when she began to understand that, she was not comforted for it. She was not comforted, for it made her realize that Peter's granny might really die, and her grandfather too, while she was so far away, and that if she did not go home for a long time, she might arrive to find everything changed and her loved ones gone forever. Miss Rottenmeyer came into the room during this scene, and as Heidi went on crying, she looked at her very impatiently and said, Adelheid, stop howling like that and listen to me. If I ever hear you making such a to-do again while you're reading to Clara, I'll take the book away from you, and you shan't have it again. This threat had an immediate effect, for the book was Heidi's greatest treasure. She turned quite pale, quickly dried her eyes, and stifled her sobs. She never wept again after that, no matter what she read. But the effort it cost her sometimes produced such queer grimaces that Clara was quite astonished. I've never seen anything like the faces you're making, she used to say. But at least Miss Rottmeyer did not notice anything. And once Heidi had got over one of her spells of sadness, everything would go smoothly for a time. Her appetite did not improve, however, and she looked very thin and peaky. It quite upset Sebastian at mealtimes to see her refuse even the most delicious things. As he handed them to her, he would sometimes whisper, Just try some of this, miss. It's so good. That's not enough. Here, take another spoonful. But all in vain. She ate hardly anything. And when she was in bed, and all the well-loved scenes of home came before her eyes, she cried and cried until her pillows were quite wet. <clears throat> Time went by, but in the town Heidi scarcely knew it, knew whether it was winter or summer. The walls and houses, which were all she could see from the windows, always looked the same. And now she only went out of doors when Clara was feeling well enough for a drive. Even then they saw nothing but bricks and mortar. For Clara could not stand a long excursion, and they only drove round the neighboring streets where they saw plenty of people and beautiful houses, but not a blade of grass or a flower or a tree and no mountains. <coughs> Heidi's homesickness grew on her from day to day till just reading the name of some well-loved object was enough to bring tears to her eyes, though she would not let them fall. Autumn and winter passed, and the bright sunlight shining again on the white walls of the house opposite set Heidi guessing that soon Peter would be taking the goats up to pasture again and that all the flowers would be in bloom and the mountains ablaze with light each evening. When she was in her own room she used to sit with her hands over her eyes to shut out the town sunshine and would stay like that forcing back her overwhelming homesickness until Clara Wanted her again. Read the next chapter. Read the next chapter. Read the next chapter. Read the next chapter. Read the next chapter.